Good morning. Welcome to Valley Lights Church. Glad to see you all here today. Today's a fun day because we're starting a brand new message series. We learned a lot of things from our sending church, but one of the things is they do donuts on brand new sermon series, the launches day. So that's kind of a, a fun treat for us to get started with. My name is Bruce Wood. I'm the lead pastor here at Valley Lights, and I haven't gotten a chance to meet you yet. I'd love to after our service today. But we've been, we've been meeting as a church every single Sunday. Uh, well, uh, nearly every Sunday, I should say, uh, for the past couple of years. And if my math is correct, it's, it's been 82 Sundays that we've gathered since we started. And that's, that's a lot of Sundays, 82 times. It's a lot of gatherings for a, a young, small church. Isn't it amazing that we come back together like this every seven days? Like there's a lot of routines that you have in your life and some are daily, some are weekly, but this is, this is one of the weekly ones that we continue to do. And the overall format of our church service hasn't changed much in 82 weeks. <laughs> there's, uh, there's some consistency in it. The songs change week to week. Uh, the message is from a different part of the Bible each week. And the number of the faces has grown. But overall, the, the kind of format and the things that we do each Sunday, it, it really hasn't changed that much. The basic format and really the goal has remained fairly constant. And since we started our church, we've been working on building momentum. You know, we started from scratch and with just a handful of people and we're trying to gain momentum. Think about the amount of energy that it takes to build momentum from nothing. Like, you know, in any, any kind of new thing that you start or project you start, starting from zero, it, it takes a lot of energy. So, for example, a semi-truck is a huge vehicle that doesn't start very fast. <laughs> in fact, if you ever get stuck behind a semi-truck when you're trying to get onto the freeway, and you're going on the ramp, you're like, oh, man. Because <laughs> it just takes them a long time to get going. It takes a long time for something that large to gain speed, and it takes a lot of fuel. In fact, if you're, if you're near a semi when they're picking up speed, you can just hear them guzzling fuel. It just takes so much energy. But once a semi-truck is, it finally picks up speed and it's on the freeway, Man, it's got enormous amounts of momentum behind it. There's so much weight and so much power behind it. It's, in fact, it's, it's pretty hard to stop at that point. Once it's rolling, it's hard to stop. Even without fuel, a semi-truck could, could go quite a distance. And that's a little bit, that's actually a metaphor for as we're trying to pick up speed, it takes a lot of energy, it takes a lot of fuel, but we're trying to create something that can sustain for the long run and, and keep moving at a high speed as we go on. They actually, you may, you may not know, but they actually race semi-trucks. I don't know if you've ever seen, if you've ever been to a semi-truck race. Um, but this will, this will just get, since this is our launching analogy, this will give you a, a feel for the kind of energy required to build momentum. This is just a clip of a semi-truck race. <laughs> Look at all the fumes.
can see by all that black smoke coming out of it just how much fuel they're burning. So in a similar way, this is a similar way. We, when we started the church, it took enormous amounts of energy, especially from the early team, just you know, put it all on the table. And then those that came with us, they, you know, people that got involved, you know, it took a lot of energy. Uh, and, you know, just like, you know, there's faster drag races out there than, than there's semi-trucks. But when, when uh, we started building a crowd, at times, it, that, that process went slowly. I mean, if you were there for our very first summer, you know, like, man, this, is, this, this looks like it's going really slow. But praise God, he's been allowing us to gather momentum. The relationships are deepening. More people are, are hearing about what God's doing here, and more people are getting involved. And so we've still got a long way to go before we have the kind of momentum that will propel us into the future. Uh, it still takes a lot of energy to make it go. Uh, but here's the exciting part. As we pick up speed, you can help us build the momentum that's going to need, be needed to carry us into the next season of growth. You can really be a part of the team that moves it forward. So that's why today we're launching this new message series called Momentum. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at how this Sunday gathering that we have, this church, how, how, how this gathering in particular helps us increase and maintain our momentum. And we'll be looking at the Bible to learn key ways that God instructs us to get involved in propelling his church forward. Church growth is a complex thing. There's a lot to it. There's a lot that can go wrong. Um, and there's many aspects of church life that go beyond just the Sunday morning worship service. But there is something really special about this gathering. There's a reason that we've gathered 82 times week after week. We just keep on going. And I've got no intention of stopping or slowing down or taking weeks off if I don't have to. Uh, maybe for the next 2,000 Sundays, if I make it that far, you can, you can find me in church on a Sunday morning. I love the example that we see in scripture of the first church gaining momentum. Just the very, the very first, you know, the ever, first church there ever was. Shortly after Jesus resurrected from the dead, the early gathering of Christians, they started picking up steam. And we actually can see some of the kinds of things that they did together in Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at verses uh, 42 through 47. But notice the kind of things that they did together. It says that they devoted themselves. That word devoted is pretty significant. There's some things that they devoted themselves to. It was to the fellowship, the breaking of bread. Oh, the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So that word devoted, it means that they were, those, those practices were a very high priority for them. They, they continually and regularly, routinely did those things together with the others there. So they, were, they devoted themselves. It says everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. This is amazing. They sold their possessions and property and distributed proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves. Oh, there's that word devoted again. So here's some more things that they did regularly and routinely. They devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts. Now when it says that they were devoted to meeting together, well, that's like us. 
man, we've, we're, we've, we're devoted to that. We've made a, a weekly, regular habit of gathering together. It says that they, they gathered in the temple. Now, that was like their big group corporate gathering that they would do, probably also on a weekly basis. So that was, that was one kind of uh, gathering that they were devoted to, but it also says they broke bread from house to house. That means they got together for meals, similar to the way that we get together for small groups or life groups, or we get together for events or to share life or have meals together or summer barbecue pool parties. There's different ways that we get together beyond the large gathering that allows us to stay connected. And so that was something that they were devoted to. These Christians, these very first Christians, they learned how to walk with Jesus, but they did it together. It wasn't just a me and Jesus on my own kind of thing. They did it together. Each person was engaged, participating, sharing, praying, contributing. There was this involvement from the whole group. And if you, you can, the last verse there, it shows us the results. It says, um, they were praising God and, and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. These early Christians, they were not passively spectating. They didn't just sleep in and then catch the message online later. <laughs> they, they showed up in person, ready to engage and contribute. And it's amazing that with this level of devotion, living out their faith together, it had two results. It says that they earned the respect of the people. So basically, the general society around them uh, looked respectably on, on them. Of course, there, there were some enemies and opponents, but on the whole, what they were doing was it, it gathered respect. And the other result was that God increased their number. They were able to grow and multiply. More people got involved. This sounds like some great momentum building for the very first church. And the same thing can happen today. And here's what we're looking at. Here's the theme for today's message. When members become engaged participants, we can build momentum as a church. Now, this is exciting. This is where all of us, we, we pitch in and help out in different ways. And the interesting thing about this idea of being engaged, though, I, I, I grew up going to church. Now, I'm 36 now, so I've been in church almost every Sunday of my life. My, my parents brought me to church when I was a kid, so... I, I tried to calculate it. I think I've probably been to church 1,800 times, somewhere around there. That's a, that's, a, that's a lot of church services. That's a lot of, and like I said, the format of most of the churches I've been in have been pretty similar. But you know, even though I've been to church that many times, I haven't always placed such a high value on the Sunday gathering. Sometimes I had to go. Sometimes I felt like I should go. Sometimes I didn't want to go. At times I was present at church, but my heart wasn't always engaged. Not always the way that it was described here in Acts chapter 2. Once early in my 20s, we were going to a church, and we were going to a church called OCC, our sending church, and uh, the pastor asked me to help develop a prayer team for Sundays. And I said no. <laughs> I didn't want to. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't want any responsibility. I didn't want to do something new. I didn't want to get involved. And uh, I, I wanted to keep my involvement light. <laughs> I just wanted to come and consume the services. And I, I never really considered the role that I could play in helping the church grow. I, don't, I wasn't really thinking about how, how can I help this gathering gain momentum. I was familiar with the church. I've been in church a lot. 
but I didn't fully grasp what the Sunday gathering was really all about. And I think for many people, it can be easy to miss the point of a gathering like this. Maybe you've been to a lot of, a lot of churches. Maybe you've attended countless worship services in your life. But maybe like me, there's been times when you haven't been fully engaged. And part of that's because I think we all tend to face certain temptations that limit our impact when it comes to our church involvement. One temptation is to become inconsistent with attendance. Maybe, maybe desire is there and intentions are there, but maybe sometimes we just can, we can get out of the rhythm. Uh, maybe life gets busy or things come up on Sundays and we can just, our attendance can get spotty and inconsistent. Or sometimes it's just inconsistent because, you know, it, maybe we slip into, uh, maybe if nothing better comes up on Sunday, I'll go to church plan. That, that can happen too. That's one temptation. Another is being passive at church. This is a temptation we face where you say, sure, I'll go. But when I'm there, I'm going to spectate only. Uh, I'm going to come in with a mental shield. I'm going to be fairly anonymous. Don't want people necessarily to know too much about me if I can help it. Because um, really, that's the temptation, I think, because being passive is easier. Um, it feels a little bit safer at times. Another temptation we may face is seeing church as information transfer. This is when, you know, I'm up here giving you information, so I'm transferring information from my head to your head, and then you leave and you've got new information as you go. That, that's one way that sometimes people view church. Um, if that was the goal, if the only goal was information transfer, really, you could just do it at home. You could just, with a mouse click, sign on somewhere, listen to something, get new information from somebody speaking, and then go about your day. But there's more to it, of course, than just that. And another temptation that we sometimes face is going to church but being too self-absorbed uh, or too self-focused. Back in my early 20s, like I had mentioned, I... I tended to, to walk into a church and just kind of evaluate based on what's in it for me? What do I like? How long do I even want to be here? Who do I want to talk to? Really, those are all questions that revolve just around me. So we can show up, sometimes we can show up at church and be very concerned about whether the amenities of the church suit me. We can get really, if we do, we get trapped in a narrow perspective, just focused on things like style or flavor or decor, just the, you know, peripheral things. So those are, those are some common temptations that I think most people face from time to time. And in keeping with the, the racing theme that we have for this series, here, here's some images to show the contrast between what we saw in Acts 2 and some of these temptations that, that come upon us at times. So here's, here's one example. These are, these are racing photos. And you can see a lot of teamwork happening here. There's a lot of movement. There's activity. Um, you know, if you ever saw any kind of pit crews like this, things are synchronized. Um, these, these are teams of people that are engaged in creating a lot of momentum together. Now, here's another photo of someone who's disengaged, <laughs> off doing their own thing. Person's off-roading and just going forward, just cruising the dunes. Cruising the dunes by yourself, it can be fun. That's okay. It's okay if you enjoy that. Uh, but it, in keeping with the analogy, there's really so much more that can be accomplished when a team of people is focused on a common goal. We're working together. We're focused on what's good for the unit, for the whole. And really, that's what this series is all about. The more people 
become engaged participants when we gather here on Sunday mornings, the more that we can gain, gain momentum as a church. So one question that may come up from time to time is, why gather every Sunday? Like why, why is it so significant that we do this thing every, every seven days? Why should, I, why should I make this a priority? Actually, what happens during church that is so important that we should do it every single week? And not only has the structure of our church not really changed all that much since we started, actually the structure of church hasn't changed all that much since I started going to church as a kid, and I don't think it's really changed all that much since it started 2,000 years ago either. We're doing the same kinds of things now that they did in Acts chapter 2 in other parts of the New Testament. So, is that, is that possible that we're, we're really doing the same kinds of things over and over and over? What, what happens at church that's so significant, that's so rich and powerful that it can change lives and build momentum? What, what is it about this gathering? Well, there are three basic elements that we hope you experience every time you come to church here. Three elements are teaching, singing, and fellowship. Now there's more to church than just those three things, but we're gonna explore uh, some more of those in the following weeks. But these, these three are core elements that we'll focus on today. So every week, one of the things that you'll experience when you come is teaching from the Bible. And the teaching part usually takes up most of the church service. That might be common with other churches you've been to. The teaching is a longer portion. And why is that? Well, the main goal of teaching, here, here's the main goal. If you ever wonder, why, why does one person stand up here and, and talk? Here's the main goal. To understand the Bible and to learn how to apply it to daily life. There's actually, it's great. It's like when, you, when, you, when we sit under teaching, we can, we can really understand more of the Bible than we knew before. But not just for the sake of information, not just to get more information, but so that we can apply it to our lives, to understand more and then to apply it when we go. So one of my goals as a preacher, I stand up here and preach, one of my goals is to help people make sense out of the Bible. The Bible is very big, very complicated. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't make sense when you first read it. There's things that take explanation. There's things that take a lot of background understanding. And there's some things that are really readily graspable. Certainly the Holy Spirit can illuminate things to you as you read. But one of the things I love to do is just help passages make sense as you listen. I want difficult things that we read in the Bible to become plain and to become easy to connect to everyday life. That you can walk out like, oh, there's something I learned from the Bible that actually resonates with my everyday life. That's exciting. That's really what it's for. And the great thing is we, we actually do a lot of that on our own. It is highly recommended that you spend time reading your Bible every day on your own. And certainly God does speak to each of us individually as followers of Jesus Christ. Those who have committed our lives to him, he will speak to you and guide you through the Holy Spirit. But there is something very significant about teaching, especially the pattern that we see in the New Testament that allows us to understand more. And throughout messages, I love to help draw really practical connections. How can I live this out this week? Look at what James, the half-brother of Jesus, says about this. He says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. 
Now that, so when, when he's talking about you know, the difference between just hearing and doing, this would, this would be like the information transfer. You know, like you could get all kinds of information from all kinds of the greatest preachers in the world. <laughs> but it might actually make a difference. And look at what James says. He says, because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. Where he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently. Now there's a kind of focus there. There's something, there's something about being really engaging your mind and reflecting. The one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it. And is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works. This person will be blessed in what he does. There really is a difference between consuming information and then focusing intently on how do I apply this to my life? How do I, how do I actually take action at home later today or at work tomorrow? How do I actually take action and actually change what I am doing because of what I heard from the Bible? That takes focus. Sometimes it can be really easy to hear a message and then think, man, this message would be great for my wife. <laughs> I went, man, that, I wish this other person was listening to this right now. Like, oh man, like they're really, this is, this is what I've been meaning to say to them the whole time. We can easily listen and then think of somebody else. It really takes, it's, it's harder. It takes a more engaged mind to evaluate myself as I listen. They're like, oh no, how can I do something different? That, that takes way more focus. Another aspect of our church service is singing. We sang a couple songs this morning already. We'll sing another one at the end of this service. And, um, you know, the, the variety of singing changes. Each church you go to may have um, different lengths and types of songs, different numbers of songs. Um, and if you've ever thought about it, singing at church might feel a little strange, especially if you're not really used to going to church or if you're new to church. Because how often is it that you just stand with a group of strangers and sing together? <laughs> that doesn't really happen that much in your everyday life. Occasionally, you might go to a concert. I went to one of the concerts in the park a few weeks ago for uh, the, the Journey Tribute Band, DSB. Cool. And uh, I couldn't figure out the whole time. I was like, why is this band called DSB? And it's because it's, it's an acronym for Don't Stop Believing, which is Journey's crazy big hit song. So sure enough, when they got to the end of their concert, that was the grand finale song, and everybody stands up, and that is a time when you stand with a group of strangers, and everybody sings the same song together. And uh, whether or not that worshiped God, I, you know, not totally sure. But here's, here's the main goal. When we gather for singing on Sunday, and we sing together, here's the goal. It's to focus on God and exalt Him. Exalt meaning praise, give honor, reflect, just tell him how highly we think of him, how grateful we are to him, to really praise his name and his goodness and his greatness. Singing worship songs. Now, when we do this, we sing from the heart, and there's there's like really a heart, you know, engine behind what we're singing and saying. That really gives something back to God. Look at what it says in Colossians 3.16. It says, let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. We're commanded to sing, to use songs. And all different types, it says psalms, 
hymns, spiritual songs, like all kinds of things. The, the Bible is actually full of songs, all kinds of them throughout the, the you know, not just the book of Psalms, but there's a lot of other Psalms in the, that others have written when they want to praise God and reflect things back to him. Really for us, it, when you're walking with God daily and you have a connection with him, it, it should just bubble up irresistible at times because of our gratitude just to sing our praise to him, right? our thankfulness. So when I'm singing worship songs at church and I've got, I'm singing the lyrics with my mouth and there's genuine affection for God in my heart at the same time, I really believe that God is pleased by that when I'm singing and the heart connection is there. There's, and it's really encouraging to do that together when we're all expressing our gratitude to God in that way. I love to hear the voices of our church praising God together. And it's, it can be really easy to disconnect a heart from the mouth and, you know, it can lose some of the meaning in that way. It can also... Uh, be really easy to, to critique song choices. It can be easy to critique maybe the quality of the music. And uh, as, as, as our church grows, we're, you know, as far as the quality goes, we're doing the best that we can with the resources that we have and looking to improve all the, all the time. But, but for us, the motive of putting a service together like this has never, the motive's never been to produce studio quality music. That's not the goal. I really do hope that the quality grows as we grow, but all along the way, really the, the goal is to exalt God. And he's the one, whether you've got a good voice or not, he's the one that gave you that voice, and he loves to hear you sing to him with it. He's very pleased, most of all, by the attitude of our heart. Actually, you can have studio quality music done with the wrong heart. It's very displeasing to God. And uh, so that we, we focus on that. And then this third aspect of a church service is the fellowship aspect. Fellowship is relating together with other followers of Jesus Christ. And, you know, this is something, this fellowship component of church, this is something that we miss when we just do church online. And, you know, we're probably all very familiar with that thanks to COVID over the past couple of years. We know what church online is like. But in, in, during that time when we didn't have fellowship, man, we were, we were missing something really important. There's something significant about that gathering that we were going without. And really the main goal of fellowship, here it is, to spur each other into deeper commitment to Christ. To spur each other, encourage, motivate, even provoke each other into deeper commitment to Christ. And we really actually need each other for this. In Hebrews, it helps us to understand why this is so important. It says, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, it says, let us consider one another in order to, actually use this word, provoke. Provoke love and good works, to stir that up, to get things charged up. You know, the, the right things, love and good works. Not neglecting to gather together. I guess even back then, they had people that kind of checked out and neglected. Maybe faced some of those same temptations to just kind of get out of the habit of meeting together. This is not, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. We really do need each other. We need that constant um, encouragement and actually sometimes challenge. The word encouragement here has an edge of challenge to it if you look at the original Greek. And sometimes we just need to be sharpened or we need people to help us 
bump back on track because we can drift if we're just isolated or off doing the dune buggy thing all on our own. And so we really need each other. Following Jesus is social. It's a social thing. Gathering regularly like this, it's mandatory. We're commanded not to forsake gathering. It's mandatory because it really helps us and we need it. The strength of our walk with Jesus Christ is invigorated as we pursue Jesus together. There's conversations that happen before and after the service, and those are really important moments. It, it could be one thing just to come in, sing the songs, listen to the word, sing a song again, and then the shoot out. But there's, there's, there's conversations, and there's relationships, and there's friendships. There's things that happen that are really, really important. I love being with the people of God. I love even being with newer people that are exploring what it means to follow God. And I love being a part of a team of people that's working together to pull off a church service, a meaningful worship service to God. So these three things, these are, I guess, core elements to a typical church service, a Sunday morning gathering of believers. These things are worth gathering for every Sunday, week after week, year after year, even if you do it a few thousand times. It's worth it. It really is. Teaching, singing, and fellowship. Those are some of the basic building blocks. So, sure, you could, you could just attend occasionally. A Sunday here and there, uh, pop in and out. But what a difference when we build a pattern of experiencing this together every single week. Man, there's something that really picks up steam when we do that. So far, we've covered why we gather as a group and some of those temptations that limit us. But let's look at what are, what are some of the specific things that you can do to really help us build momentum as a church. So if we're gonna be like that semi-truck that you know, takes a lot of energy to get started, but once it's rolling, man, it can really propel us into the future. You can do, you can take some action that will help us move into the future. Here's one of the things you can do. Uh, commit to attend regularly. Now we're, def we're often defined in life by our commitments. You know, you've committed to keep your job. You've maybe committed to certain organizations or groups or you've got things in your schedule that are routine. Those really make up a lot of your life. Our commitments are, they define our priorities and in a large part, define the direction of our life, where we end up in life. And for some, this, this actually, this one next step, commit to attend regularly, this, this could be the biggest application that you might walk away with today. This would be a big one. In fact, you might even you might even jot this phrase down. Every Sunday I'm in town. You might jot that down. I'll, I'll commit. I'll commit to attend every Sunday I'm in town. And for some, maybe you're already doing that. For some, that would actually be a big step. That would be a big adjustment. And uh, certainly, you know, people travel. Certainly, people get sick, and there's other things that may come up for work and such. Um, but, you know, the, the commitment, making a firm commitment can really be a big step that opens the door to a lot of new blessing in your life. If, you've, if you're a person that you've drifted from the regular practice, maybe, maybe you're kind of more the occasional Sunday attendance, um, you can re-engage without shame. Or maybe it's been a while and you're coming back and it's been a long time. Maybe at one point it was a habit, but it's not now. And, uh, maybe the habit has slipped and sometimes I talk to people who come back to our church and it's been maybe a few months since I've seen them. And uh, 
sometimes they, the people like that will tell me how much anxiety they have just walking through the doors. Like, oh, it's been so long. Like, I don't know if I can show up. And then you stay, they, you know, if you stay away longer, then you feel even more anxiety about coming back because now it's been a really long time. And what I, what I would want people to know is that if it's been a long time and you walk through the doors, what I will not say is, so you finally decided to show up. <laughs> I'm not gonna say that. What I will say is, I am so glad you're here. Man, we missed you. And that's, 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 that's what I do. And that's because it's, it's totally understandable. Sometimes things come up in life. Unexpected things can happen. Maybe a sickness. Uh, maybe there's something really tragic in life, a sadness, or maybe discouragement. There's all kinds of things that people walk through or that maybe you have walked through that has disrupted your regular attendance at church. And made, maybe it's made a big gap. That's okay. For some people, it's really, it can be really difficult to re-engage. But when people jump back in, man, some, there can be some amazing comebacks spiritually. There's a, there's a, big, there's a great comeback story in NASCAR. The most, probably one of the most famous comebacks is a guy named Bill Elliott. And uh, he was racing in Talladega. And um, I feel like I only know Talladega from the movie Talladega Nights. Because <laughs> I'm not like a big NASCAR guy. But here's a quote. His, his, uh, he was down. He was really the fan favorite driver at that time. But his engine started smoking in the middle of the race. He had to go in for repairs. And here's what he says. Man, they raised the hood. But they got it fixed faster than I thought it would. But man, it felt like I sat there six to ten laps. But he got back in. He says, I worked my tail off to try to keep up. I just kept on digging. This old car kept on digging. I want to thank the good Lord for making up those laps. The old car just held together and worked. And uh, it was a really exciting moment. You actually look it up on YouTube. But there's this really improbable comeback. Bill Elliott's margin, he, he did win, but it was by 1.72 seconds in ahead of a pack of cars. And uh, he didn't give up, and his team didn't give up. And both of those aspects are really crucial. Like a, a person's commitment, and really the group's commitment to work together. It's really, it really I, I bring that up just to say, it's never too late to make a spiritual comeback. If you've been, if you've been away, it's, now is a great time to get back on track. And when we do get back on track, sometimes that next lap isn't going to be the fastest one. <laughs> the first lap is often not the fastest. It matters just the getting started is the thing that matters. So I'm really encouraged to see people engaging or re-engaging with God, even if it's a huge life-altering shift. And the next, another, another application could be to sing out and reflect during worship songs. If singing together is one of those core aspects of church involvement. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not sure if you feel like much of a singer. I don't know if you want people to hear you singing or not. That's why we kind of keep the music loud. So you kind of you know, drown everybody out if needed. Um, you know, not everyone gets a microphone. But I do love hearing all of the voices together. But, you know, as we sing, sometimes I can get pretty easily distracted during the song time. Of church, and it, it really does make a big difference if I'm thinking about the lyrics that I'm saying and really trying to engage my mind and my heart together. And it, when it comes to songs and lyrics, it, it really it's, it amazes me how many 
uh, pop songs from the 80s and the 90s and the two song, 2000s that I, that I know from heart. And as soon as, as, soon as like, the intro starts, I can sing the whole song all the way through. Um, but then there's some of those songs that I probably shouldn't really sing anymore because the lyrics aren't that great. Like, um, Don't Stop Believing, that one is uh, like it's fun to play on guitar. So now my daughter like knows how to play on guitar and sings it too. And then I realized, I don't know if you should be singing all the lyrics to that song. <laughs> you know, smell of wine and sweet champagne. And, and uh, uh, you know, so I'm like, okay, so, so the songs that we sing on a Sunday morning, the, the lyrics are important, they're significant, and they're rooted to important truths for us to reflect on and really focus our minds on. So as you sing, you can engage your mind um, in the singing to consider the powerful truths so when we, so like I had mentioned, we'll sing another song at the end of this service, and um, it's a great one. It's, it's how great is our God, and I'm really, I'm looking forward to that. But as we do, as you sing that, maybe put this application point into practice, and really try to engage your mind and, and think about exalting God, and praising Him, and just reflecting on how great He is and how grateful you are to Him. Occasionally, we'll sing a song that that hits you and that you really like it. Actually, get some water here. There's all kinds of different songs and styles, and they keep pumping new ones out all the time. We try those, but if there's a song that you really like, you can add it to your own playlist. And uh, it's, but it's different at home when you're worshiping with a large group and you and you sing what's going on here. And uh, how would it impact things? Do you think if every voice in the room was raised and every heart was behind it? And that would be exciting. Even, even It actually wouldn't even take that big of a group to make a really big impact and to really bring a lot of glory and honor to God. That might be, so this one might be a practical next step for you. Also, uh, here's, here's another next step. Take notes to identify your next steps. So when it comes to listening to what's, you know, or what's being spoken from the word, some people are notorious note takers. And actually, my wife is a great note taker. She's, as we sit anywhere and she's got her pen now and she just, she'll, she'll fill a page with blue ink. <laughs> and, uh, or if all she has is a phone or a computer, she'll just like do it digital. And there's, so there's, there's a lot of different ways to take notes. In fact, uh, <laughs> there's this funny image, you know, note taking in the 21st century. Nowadays, the teacher said, you may take notes. Everyone <laughs> takes their phone out. I guess. I don't know if it has the same effect if you just snap a photo. You can take a picture of this if you want to, by the way. <laughs> but here, actually, I, I love this. This, this is a, a quote from Mark Twain. He said, the dullest pencil is better than the sharpest memory. Many times, God has uh, spoken to me through notes that I wrote a long time ago. And this, this happens. This happens. This, actually, last week, I was looking through some old notes. And um, God used it to really speak to me. Actually, the reason that we're even in Santa Clarita is because God had spoken to me about planning a church. And early in the process, someone suggested Santa Clarita, and I wrote it down, and I forgot about it. And when I went back to pray about it, when I got to that page, God, like, illuminated it on the page. And that week, I, I came here for the very first time. I'm like, man, I'm glad I wrote that down. <laughs> so there's, there's something that really... Uh, we engage in a deeper level and we we're like, hey, how can, I, how can I write something? How can I reflect and engage in a deeper way? Really the main point is to capture the heart 
of whatever it is that you need to understand, whatever it is that you want to remember or apply to your life in a real way. And then finally, uh, one other next step is to engage with people before and after service and by talking. And <clears throat> if you're a little bit more introverted, this may, this may feel intimidating. Sometimes it's hard to talk to people. Um, but that's, that's probably why we do the first five. You know, we just kind of suggest at the end of service to take five minutes, because you can do anything for five minutes, right? <laughs> Before and after church, those moments really are some of the best times to catch people. So you might even consider arriving a few minutes early. You know, you know find a seat, start engaging with other people. And as service lets out, you know, take five minutes to look around and, and talk with somebody that maybe you haven't met before. You can help us build and keep momentum if we apply this practice. So what's really easy is to, you know, when those moments of opportunity to talk, it's easy to, to, to rush to somebody that you're really comfortable talking with, but you might take about five minutes to meet somebody new or somebody that you know less well. And you can ask some questions. You know, some, some common questions are, um, hey, how long have you been coming here? I've actually, I've, I've learned long ago, by the way, when, when I was at, a, even at other churches, is the, the wrong question to ask is like, hey, is this your first Sunday here? Because sometimes they're like, no, I've been going here for like two years. And like sometimes you, you don't realize, like, oh, gosh, I, mean, I should have known. So uh, a better question is like, how long have you been coming here? And uh, you can ask a question for common ground. Um, what do you do for a living or do you live in the area? And as you talk with people, you may have an opportunity maybe to invite them out for lunch afterwards and continue conversation, help build friendships that way. So these are just some practical next steps. Maybe you've identified one of these four things as a next step that you might take. You know, as, as we've considered, you know, as we read through Acts chapter 2, looking at the early church and the things that they were really devoted to, the kinds of practices that they had that really allowed them to grow and God blessed it with more growth and more people and more energy. Um, we looked at that and some of those other New Testament commands about gathering and applying the Bible and singing. So one, one of these things, you know, there might be one of these four things that you would want to do. Maybe it's that one to commit, to attend regularly. Maybe I'm going to commit. Every Sunday I'm in town, I'll be here. Or maybe your next step is to, to sing out. When the, when the songs are going, I'm going to really engage my mind instead of letting it wander. Or maybe you say, I, I need to take notes so that I can really identify my next steps. Or it might be to do that thing of talking with people and engaging before and after service. Those routines, now imagine if we were all doing those. Imagine if we had a church really engaged at this level. Now it would have a powerful effect on each of you individually and as our church as a whole. Next week, we're going to talk about another important aspect of teaming together to accomplish God's work. Um, and we're going to look a little bit more about how you've been uniquely designed by God to play an important part. So I'm excited to continue this series next week. I hope you come back. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, I thank you so much for allowing us to gather and for uh, providing more and more people to get involved in, in what you're doing here. And uh, thank you for the guidance that you've given us um, as the early church got started. And those in Acts chapter 2 really learned how to devote themselves to things that would 
please you and deepen relationships in a God-honoring way. Help us to, to gain momentum in the church. I pray that we would, and if, uh, as, as we sing and gather, I pray that we're pleasing you. And would you allow more people to get connected to us so that they would find new life in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.